What's going on, everyone? It is a belated episode of Weird in High School because I just, I, I can't do anything. I'm overwhelmed. I want to do so much, but I also feel like I'm putting too much on my plate. I'm like trying to figure out working, which is hard because they keep kind of telling us like, you can go to work and now you can't go to work, but now you can go to work this much, but now, now you can go to work more. And it's pretty weird. Um, it's very bizarre. And it is is difficult to negotiate, and it's hard to know what we can do. And I'm like writing grants and applying for jobs and trying to like figure my life out. Also, coincidentally, today is my 23rd birthday, and two days ago I got a Snapchat memory of being in Laurie Matheson's garage, finishing well in his studio. It's it's in a garage in Laurie Matheson's studio, finishing the EP. Um, and, and I'm feeling a little existential about it. I definitely, when I wrapped that EP, w- was hoping that I would develop a lot more success and following and all that. And, and there are very various metrics of success, but definitely hoped I'd be in a much different spot at in n- another two years from that than I am. Um, but also in that two years, for like 16, has it been? I don't know, whatever, it's going to end up being like 15 months at least of that time has been the world shut down. So from like, I did from August 2019 until now, I really haven't, and that's when, when the EP came out, I really haven't had a lot of time to, to do anything and get anywhere and that's kind of heartbreaking a little bit. And I know everyone's kind of in that zone with everything, but I feel like I was building up this inertia. I was, I was playing like, I'd played like six shows in in January before everything went to, went to shit. You know, it was like, I was, I was trying to hit it. I was, I had a bunch of things booked for March and had to cancel a bunch of things. I had to cancel two different benefits that I was organizing at cool venues with cool bills and like, now I'm just kind of like, yeah, Spotify, eh, Instagram, eh, I don't want to open my phone. If, if anyone listening to this is the people that I've just, like, ignored for days at a time, I just I can't open my phone. I don't know, it makes me sad. But on a lighter note, uh, someone I was very happy to be able to talk to was Dan. Dan of Deep Covers. Deep Covers is just an impeccable, awesome amazing synth pop project kind of that dark wave flavor of of minimalist synth music is really cool i super super recommend checking out the last deep covers release uh dark world it's it's really good the ep the deep cover self-titled ep is also killer dan just loves music he's a good guy he's played in all sorts of bands he plays drums he plays drums in night twin now um also a very cool band so Dan and I tear it up a little bit here, and uh, I really recommend checking him out wherever you find your music. That's deep covers, like if your if your covers on your bed were in the depths of the ocean. Anyway, without any further ado, I will be back to bug you after the fact. All right, I love you guys. I'll talk to you after this. What's going on? Tell us a little bit about deep covers and about whatever you want to tell us about. Um. Yeah, I didn't really prepare anything, but uh, I don't know it's not not as a 
busy as it usually is, obviously. Um, just uh, um, still working on music. Uh, I guess the next thing is, um, well, I put an album out uh, in September during the pandemic. And, um, but now I'm doing, uh, or getting other people to remix my work. I'm going to put a remix album. I might have a couple of my own remixes in there, but uh, mostly from the last album and maybe one or two from the first album. Um, so that's the next uh, thing I might, I don't know. It's been pretty chill. Just uh, ask some people and then just getting some mixes back and maybe early summer, maybe uh, release it. I don't know. Probably just digital this time. Yeah. Because it's kind of more of a, more of a fun kind of project and give people free reign, give them the, the tracks and you know, give them free reign on what they want to do. So it's, uh, yeah, it's something pretty cool that people are coming up with. That's pretty cool. It's, I imagine it's, uh, it's an interesting and possibly a different kind of catharsis to give your tracks over to other people and see what they do with mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Um, kind of have, yeah, no hands off, no control. And, um, but yeah, I think it's kind of good to, you know, especially for like a project where it's just me, um, doing everything. It's nice to get other people involved and, um, kind of give up some control sometimes is nice. Right. And with deep cover stuff, you do everything yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought someday I might get like a, a live bandit, but, uh, that just hasn't happened yet. But, um, uh, and, and just for, uh, um, to make things easier and cheaper, um, I, uh, write, produce, and, uh, so far I've been mixing, um, and just, I'll usually get someone else to master, but, um, I know, maybe at some point I'll get someone to mix um, an album, but uh, just uh, costs quite a bit to go in the studio these days, and, and uh, unless unless you get a grant or something. But uh, I know it seems a bit easier. It it definitely is, and it, it seems like a a curve that's hard to. It seems like it's really hard to line up what you can viably make from any recording to mm-hmm. the cost of recording. I do kind of feel like things are going in this direction where everything just has to be kind of homemade and Mm -hmm. people are, there are different qualities of that, but I do kind of, I have some fears with like, if music is free, then making it has to be free too, to really make it make sense. And then, cause there's this like golden era of, I mean, it depends what you're into, but there's this like late nineties, early two thousands golden era of alt rock when there was tons of money in it. And these mm-hmm. great sounding records got made. And I, I do wonder if, I don't know, if there will be future records made at, at even the levels of like Avril Lavigne records. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And I've been lucky enough, uh, cause deep covers is like, um, still, I guess you could say still fairly new for me. A couple of those al- albums in, but, uh, I've been a drummer for a long time. Like it's my first foray into like songwriting and my own, kind of stuff and singing and stuff but uh I, i've been lucky enough to like um be in bands that have recorded in nice studios like magnag north uh oh no sorry northwest passage which iteration um we got to record ocl and that was really great and um because paul got us a nice grant and got uh russell broom to produce it and stuff it was really great a really good experience to like to see what it's like on the other side but uh um but i think it I know, especially with my stuff too. If you're doing stuff that's more electronic, it makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have to. The only non-electronic stuff are the gu- guitars and vocals, and 
um, even in the new stuff I'm doing is kind of was more uh, maybe a bit less guitar on the, probably on the next album, but it's not done yet, so we'll have to find out. But um, it's uh, yeah, for it's a lot harder for bands if you have a full band and it's all um, out of the box, then it's um, more difficult to uh, do it yourself, which but it's, it's doable and people are doing it. But like you said, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens because uh, a lot of bands are um, doing that uh, themselves. Um, my other, the band I play drums in right now called Night Twin. Um, since uh, we're a full band, it's kind of, it's been kind of ground to a halt with the pandemic, but uh, we plan to record uh, an album ourselves at first and then decide what to do after. But uh, we started, uh, before everything went went down, we uh, started the recordings and stuff. But Between at least you and Paul, I'm sure there are uh, more eligible producers in the band who would take on the on the roles of primarily recording and producing things in that situation mm -hmm. yeah it'd probably just be me and paul together and, yeah and whoever else like wants to do um but uh yeah it should be should be fun but it's definitely easier if it's uh like i'm i can you know get a lot more done with deep covers um when i'm just me and by myself in my studio with my synths and guitars and stuff, but uh, but uh, I know things have even slowed down just with the pandemic. It's I, are you finding it's hard to write now with with nothing going on, or how, how are you finding uh, writing music? Yeah, I definitely don't know. the The project I'm working on right now is is a concept album, which I feel like is such a snooty thing to do. It's a concept album, yeah, whatever. But, but you know, it's yeah. all this fictional story, um, and nice. that's the only thing. And that happened for me in like a week. I mm -hmm. kind of processed some real life emotions into some characters and this exchange that happens in a bar. But in terms of, I don't know. It's Certain, you know, without a show to go to to see that couple that like clearly is about to break up and that's the song or the like, whatever it is, you know, you see the guy walking down the street who has a vibe about him. I, I find without mm -hmm. that stimuli, it's uh, it is difficult. And I also kind of, I, I do you find that that motivating yourself to even practice your own music is difficult? Yeah, like I, I know I went down the streaming, um, like I did some streaming early pandemic, and then, but just there's, just not a viable replacement. Uh, I kind of lost steam because um, you don't get the same crowds. Even you'll have, you'll there'll be like large bands who might get like ten people watching them, and mm -hmm. kind of go, okay, what's the point? <laughs> but it was that was good for um, forcing me to practice. But then I kind of lost steam with that, but. Uh, yeah, just kind of working on stuff, um, and then but it's a bit more aimless. There's, there's, I work better with deadlines. Mm -hmm. um, so if you know I need to have this certain things done by a certain time, I, I'll get them done. Uh, but with no kind of uh, you know end in sight, because for the album I released in September, it was pretty much already written before the pandemic. Well, yeah, it was almost in the bag before the pandemic hit. So I was done i i kind of decided whether i should release it 
sooner or later, but I figured by the time the pandemic was over, I could probably have another album, which will probably be true. Um, But I never got to tour it, um, but hopefully get to play some of those songs live um, uh, once we're back to doing that. But I guess with music, we're the live shows are the first to go and the last to come back. So it we'll, uh, could be a while now. So, Right. It is, uh, it is frustrating when they're talking about doing Stampede, but like <laughs> the, the second year delayed of Ottawa Blues Fest got canceled too. It's, it's yeah. it is tough. Um, and maybe we should switch to, to Buck and Bronx and then we could still yeah still do something if we were you know hog tying or <laughs> I, I don't know my rodeo lingo but uh yeah how do i you might. that seems <laughs> i don't know if i could do that to an animal <laughs> no no i don't of, uh, think i could either seems a little rough <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my dad's favorite thing is is fails on youtube and then i was like pro rodeo fails and that wasn't <laughs> that was an entire it like feels karmic to me to watch yeah. like An- animal revenge yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, when Morrissey does the bullfighter dies, he plays this whole reel of uh, of like bulls, Merc and bullfighters, and it's very jarring. <laughs> but it really drives home his point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but were you playing drums in Northwest Passage as well? Yeah, yeah. So with that band, did you guys like there was a buzz around that band at a, a period in time, correct? I think so. <laughs> Hard to remember. I've been in too many bands. Yeah. Um, as a drummer, yeah, I guess people always need drummers. So I just, I've been in, I don't know how many bands, but a lot of bands with the, the Van Campen brothers. So, so the Night Twin is with Paul and Steve, who Steve was doing Pesabic. Um And I started playing with them way back um, when the original drummer for Beja Floor quit. That's when I um, started my love, of, love affair with the Van Campen boys. <laughs> Have you guys, or or at that point, were you guys touring? What did that look like? Uh not not tons of that band. Um, just around Alberta, uh, but not uh, not country wise. Um, but uh, yeah, we um, we never uh, did too too much with that um, touring wise. But we did some good out of town shows. When it was Magnetic North, we did. Um, no, actually, we did go to Regina. We got nominated for, uh, so I forget what the music award is, the Canadian, or the sorry, Western Canadian Music Award. Mm-hmm. But then we lost to uh, Carly Rae Jepsen. <laughs> <laughs> that's a... For she wasn't even there, so that's, that's, how, that's how it was. But no, it was fun. Um, but uh, yeah, I did some good shows with those guys. Calgary Folk Fest was fun, and did those folk festivals around. And those are probably, you know, even though I don't play folk music in... Uh, covers and you know i'm sure folk festival wouldn't really have a kind of electronic post-punk type band but in terms of how they treat artists and and uh things like that it's probably the best and Mm -hmm. good experience doing that folk festivals right what sorry i'm just having a little feedback problem here all right fixed it um is that me or is that that you me yeah i think it's me i uh i switched over the interface and higher sample rates it turns out don't agree with older computers so now i'm like oh, in yeah, this yeah. like works with my desktop rig but but not mm-hmm. with my laptop so now i've like i find every time i upgrade one piece of gear it causes problems with other gear oh, and no. then costs <laughs> more money it's like yeah. 
the moment you put something new on your pedal board and you have to all of a sudden like route the whole thing a new way to fit that pedal on it's it yeah exactly <laughs> feel like i should just leave things how they are yeah. um snap broken don't fix it <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so on the i guess it'll be two episodes ago by the point this came out but I was talking to Zoe Sundstrom, who is the music director at CKXU, and we were talking about the uh, the releases of the year that got her excited, and Dark World came up, and oh, we awesome. had the mutual feeling that really it's like, and as preface, the the self titled the debut, I really dug. I was kind of, I grew up like in high school. I loved like Black Marble and got into a bunch of this. French cold wave and this really kind of dark synthy stuff. Um, and so when I heard, when I heard the deep covers record, I was like, yes, finally something, something to attach to that's local and, mm. and that, that fits this box. And it seems like Zoe and I did agree that it seems like everything that, that felt like any criticism that either of us could have made of the debut was or like every time it felt like the debut was finding itself it felt like dark world fully emphasized that point and fully matured and i, I hope that's coming yeah. off as the compliment that i mean it to be oh, yeah. um so it, it feels like yeah it feels like to, to to me it really feels like dark world is the deep cover sound and, and the one that for me personally it really feels a lot like the the local record i wanted for a long time hmm. how was the process different between the debut and with dark world hmm. how do you feel like those changes happened uh well i probably just leaned in um because i before deep covers i kind of took a while um like kind of figuring out what i wanted to do with my solo kind of songwriting project and it kind of came became slowly more and more kind of electronic and more kind of dark and more post-punk. But I think uh, I was on that journey already. And then, um, yeah, like you said, it, it was kind of, uh, uh, I wasn't quite there with the original, which I do, I do love that album, but um, I, I, I think I lean, lean more into what um, kind of more of my, more of post-punk uh, and uh, dark electronic um kind of influences uh, and kind of what I like about those genres uh, more with the Dark World album. Um, and yeah, and the more, I think the more you do something, um, you know, kind of, uh, you kind of figure out what, where, where you want to go and it's always experimentation no matter what. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. Were there, from a hardware perspective, was there new instrumentation? Was there, in terms of the tools used, were there tools employed that changed that sound too? Mm, yeah, I did get uh, using, um, was able to invest in more uh, synthesizers. Oh, sorry, dog pop. <laughs> Getting fresh with me. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, kind of uh, certain analog synthesizers that I kind of wa always wanted. Um, uh, kind of more, the more classic like, uh, OB sounds, uh, Oberheim, and then uh, Prophet sounds, and um, uh, used a Moog on there too. Um, but uh, yeah, I was able to kind of 
get the sounds I kind of wanted. And just even using synthesizers, I was qu still quite new um, to using synthesizers with the, the first Deep Covers album, but I've kind of spent more time and still not like an amazing piano player, but I can, I can play synthesizer uh, a lot better than I used to. Um, and uh, yeah, even the new stuff is even le kind of leaning heavier into the synth. Um, whereas I think, um, I think maybe only one song on Dark World doesn't have guitar, but um, though I don't want to abandon the guitar completely, um, but uh, just kind of the, where the experimentation goes and where it kind of uh, uh, you know the tunnel leads. Right. Did you start as a drummer? Was that your first oh, instrument? Yeah. yeah, first instrument for and for a long time. I always noodled on guitar and bass, and like, there's always instruments around when I was a kid. But um, the first, uh, I think when I was 14, my mom got me my first drum kit, and um, but then I uh, did, didn't really start playing in bands heavily till I was like in our early 20s, maybe 21, 22. Because I'd moved away from Calgary and then came back. Um, and then just kind of got into it more. But I, I uh, when I was younger, but like before then, I, I used to teach drum lessons and stuff like that too. Um, and then when I was, think when I was 16, I was in the drum corps, like the marching band. Like, have you seen that movie Drumline? <laughs> no, I haven't. It's, it's like, yeah, it's not a very good movie, but it's an example of kind of like the marching band drum corps. So that was good for the chops, but I did that for like a, about a year. That's fun. But kind of, not creatively fulfilling because you're, you're basically, it's very militaristic and, but, uh, you know, definitely influenced my drumming. I can imagine that that discipline type of situation would be something that maybe not the most fun and inspiring while it's mm -hmm. happening is something that, that would really help you down the road in terms still of. Still got to practice. Yeah. I get the fundamentals and, and uh, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm not like an incredible guitar player or anything, but uh, um, in terms of what I'm best at, I'd probably say technically it would be drums. But um, but in terms when um, you're making pop music and stuff, you don't necessarily need to be uh, you know someone you know who's the who's the best you know prog player. I don't know you know right. to to, uh, to make uh, simple music. And then the older I get, the kind of the more I'm trying to more simple things and like trying to craft like the perfect um, song in a ways, you know, just raw and simple um, would be uh, probably the best version, kind of more refined in a simple way. Right. I, I do think that like I sold guitars for years and everyone that worked at the guitar store with me was super into like intervals and, you know, polyphia mm -hmm. and those, those very athletic types of music. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, even if that, I don't know if you're familiar with goat by polyphia, but it's like the hit of Prague. But if you dissect it, it's really just this major kind of like one, seven, five progression. Now, mm -hmm. anyone who is more technical and knows that song well, probably is just screaming at me right now for, for, being diminutive and incorrect, but, um, it is, it, it does seem like if you want to make music that can reach, you have to keep it relatively bare and relatively simple. 
yeah, I think it's well. It's you know, it's so it's probably more difficult to, you know, to do to do more with less. And I think that's, I don't know, for me that's kind of the goal. Um, so actually, I, I did it. I think I have my first uh, song in seven eight. I just finished uh, redo covers for a new song, but uh, but still pretty simple. I just I just like the groove, but um, but that's just drum machines doing it, and that's not <laughs> that's easy. But uh, but still quite simple. Is it? Do you find as someone that like essentially you have ability on most instruments? Um, do you find it difficult to not play everything on a deep cover song to to program a beat instead of playing real drums on it or to you know to leave guitar off a song where there theoretically you could put guitar on no i never uh doesn't seem to be a problem for me um i just seem to intuitively know just when to leave something when to add something um because there is especially with the you know get your multi-track recorder going and a lot of people tend to like to just use tons of layers but also i find with um especially the synthesizers like they take up so much room uh on the spectrum of of um, sound you can go all, all the way from deep bass to the high frequencies um and you you know when you're in, doing instrumentation on any kind of music you have to kind of find um where certain things fit and if you kind of uh just put layers upon layers of of stuff until it's inaudible and um or just you know some kind of cacophony it's not it's not uh nice to listen to unless that's the kind of music you're making but um i kind of mix as i write in a way um which is handy so i guess with electronic music you're all, you, it's two two worlds where you're kind of doing the sound engineering as you're writing to or adding stuff because um that's just the nature of synthetic music um where uh you're using certain you, know, you think but okay this is kind of more of a bass part um this is going to take up this um you know part of, uh, spectrum of the music you, you'll find those charts where they say they'll show you the instruments and where in the range of you know say bass down to 20 hertz or something high up to 20,000 20, kilohertz or whatever or hertz um and kind of where things live and you can kind of um to, to have a balanced sounding track you can kind of do that while you're writing too so sometimes it, what you kind of have an idea of what you want the track to sound like and then um fill it in and then sometimes you, you know take away just too much of a certain thing right I think to, or maybe it's a better question to ask, do you feel that getting into synths innately kind of breeds an understanding of engineering at a basic level? It's like a guitar never has a high pass filter switch on it. A synthesizer mm -hmm. will. Yeah. 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 There's more, it's more sculptable, I guess. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's less about the, you know, maybe it's less about the notes you play, and then how, because um, I'm kind of obsessed with timber and and um, kind of the texture of the music, um, uh, almost more so than tone a lot of times. And when I'm making music, so if, uh, 
Whereas with a guitar, especially if you're playing acoustic or you have one tone, you kind of you're just focused on the notes or what notes to play. But um, I find with electronic music, it's um, you're focused on kind of the um, texture of the music as well. And sometimes that's more important than the notes you play, to me at least. Right. So as far as moving forward with deep cover stuff, the kind of what I'm getting from you so far is one of the bigger changes is leaning more heavily on the synths. Yeah. What yeah. types of trends are you noticing and vibes that you're seeking out with the new music? Uh, it's hard to speculate when I'm right in the middle of it too, because it's still happening. Right. Um, cause I probably won't be done. I probably won't release the next album until I can actually play shows. Um, and then have a kind of deadline and, um, and I'm also starting to do more of a side project called Annals, A-N-N-A-L-S, like the Annals of Time or History. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I kind of go um, things that maybe are um, a bit more experimental, like um, I'll, I'll go do for that project. Um, but I should probably release some stuff too. I've been kind of go down wormholes and, and maybe I'll do more, even do live shows with that project. It tends to be more in- instrumental and more kind of a, uh, like full-on electronica or ambient or um, uh, experimental, whereas deep covers have some kind of structure with the songwriting and, and with guitar and stuff. But uh, So I kind of uh, have that project to kind of get that out. So deep covers probably won't go full-on, like full experimental. It'll still have some kind of, uh, you know, pop aspects of it. It's still pop music at the end of the day, which I love, but uh, yeah. With the with the deep covers aesthetic things like the the wigs and that whole vibe, what was the intention there? Was it like was it really uh, premeditated or just decision yeah, to end up I, making? Well, maybe a little bit of both. Because uh, I stopped. Well, probably I haven't played the show in a while, but. Um, yeah, it was kind of an aesthetic choice. Try to bring some kind of visual aspect, but like, by, if I start playing shows again, I don't know if I'll still do the same thing. I kind of put them put them on the spot. They're just like they're just art, wall art now. <laughs> there's the there's my boys, but uh, um, yeah, I've uh, definitely um, with Dark World uh, in terms of the visual aspect of that because um, it seems to be more and more um, a part of the project um, like for Dark World I, I pretty much made a yeah I did make a video for every song on Dark World kind of low-key released it on Instagram and YouTube you can find it but I wasn't eventually do uh, probably should still that do, do like a full-length film of all that videos together but because um, I wasn't playing live and I kind of got more into video work and, and uh, and the inspiration for that album was like a big part of that of that trip to, I did to Iceland, in terms of like the um, the scenery and the kind of alien landscapes. Um, and then when I was there, I took a lot of footage. So most of the footage is from that trip. So it's kind of um, trying, you know, I guess also kind of art rock where you, you have like an all-encompassing kind of more art art project. So you try to bring the music in line with the visuals and, and stuff like that. Um, kind of have them 
work well together. Um, so I leaned heavily into that as well. Um, and for the new stuff, like I even had like a, I made a piece of art. I want to show you, show or tell you what it is, but for the new album, it's probably going to be the hump cover, but that's always kind of in my mind, um, kind of the visual aspect of the music as well, which is important. Right. So, so really it's, well, I'm not going to say as much, but certainly a significant factor in deep covers is this. Is it is it fair to say that to you? It's more of a it's more of a complete artistic experience than specifically. Yeah. An, I guess that's the goal, right? Like, like I'm not to say it is. Like, I don't know if I can be the judge of that, but that's that's kind of the goal. Um, and it's just I find it more. I don't know. Um, especially the process of everything kind of more fulfilling to have, you know, kind of the different facets to go through and, um, great art. You know, it's, I guess that's, um, kind of become important to me just to make art, um, for, for my mental health and uh, among other things. Um, so I find the pro the process is probably the most important thing for me. Um, but then playing shows and releasing stuff is important because you need to have an end date. So that's, I think maybe one of the most difficult things about the pandemic is not having an end date in sight. So you kind of like get stuck in the purgatory of a certain project, <laughs> but, um, but then you kind of have to, you want to wait till it's good to release as well. But uh, yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. We're all looking forward to uh, the pandemic ending so we can play shows and stuff and release music and all that fun stuff. Yeah, I do definitely at the, at this stage in the game I'm worried about a lot of the venues that we know mm -hmm. yeah. existing back and, and there'll always be a way. It'll be house shows or it'll be there'll be mm -hmm. something and and I think everyone's gonna be eager to play and eager to get out, but it uh it's it's gonna be an interesting landscape to to navigate. Um granted I you know, places like Night Owl went without, without a pandemic mm -hmm. killing them too. So it is. Yeah, I think Calgary was lacking uh, a lot of good venues even before the pandemic. So, but who knows? Like, um, what could come out of people might be energized and ready to do more things, make more venues, and but yeah, um, I guess if anything positive comes out of it, it's a clean slate for um, uh, a lot of a lot of things. We, I would hope we would kind of stop the stop the kind of uh, things we would do before that weren't working, but you never know. But like, I'm hopeful <laughs> that there's some good change that can happen. What kind of things are those in your mind that weren't working or that you'd like to see differently? In, in just in, in general, um, how uh, music and art has you know been become uh, more uh, like you said. Um, not people not uh people consume it but they you know they uh it's not being um properly or not being properly compensated or just um just taken as seriously as it should i guess or or um you know like as an artist you know it's you you don't do it as a you do it for the love really you have to love what you do because mm -hmm. it's, it's a terrible business decision to be decision to become an, an artist right 
um, if you want to make money. Um, but even before, uh, like you said, the golden era back in was the late nineties or mid two thousands when there, there was, you know, some money still going around for, um, albums and, and stuff, but, uh, um, we're in the streaming age now with Spotify and things like that, where you kind of, you know, you kind of have to release your music that way to get it out and to promote it. But, um, back in the day, like you could actually make money off of selling, um, CDs and stuff and, and selling your art. And now it's, um, you know, to make any money, you have to tour, but, and then with the pandemic, there's no shows. You can't have any of that. Um, yeah, just like a modification, uh, or like the, the lack thereof, um, and like kind of re respect for the art, I guess. Um, there's a lot of lack of, of, uh, um, and you know, as an artist too, uh, kind of it's, uh, the, uh, yeah, the, uh, lack of, uh, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just went down a brain fart, but um, yeah, yeah. I, I do. I think commodification's a good way to put it. Um, I definitely. I wonder too, even if it, it still sounds like playing live and touring aren't what they once were, um, mm -hmm. and even though that hasn't changed digitally, it, it seems like at least for for instrumental music that tastes have changed. Like I've watched the Ottawa blues fest lineups over the years and increasingly the headliners are like one year is race remmered and you know, they get to be Travis Scott and these, these rap groups and not to have an, an old man stance on, on rap. I think that, mm -hmm. you know, there are people, some of the most innovative musicians are in the hip hop space, Anderson yeah, pack yeah. and definitely, you know, like the roots, some of the best players are in the hip hop space, but mm -hmm. on a really big scale, a lot of it is like hit play on a laptop and rap over the beat. And, uh, mm -hmm. and so maybe that doesn't signal the death of live events, but maybe signals that, that the kind of things that we and the people we associate with are, are not popular. Um, mm -hmm. like Jeff McLeod, um, from the Cape May in Florida, BC, told me that they used to call brew brothers and play a show to pay their rent. Like mm -hmm. I can't imagine that situation because yeah. it seems like, I don't know if your experience is different, but it seems at least in the time that I have occupied the local music scene that you go to shows and it's other people who it's mostly people, you know, at, it's mm -hmm. mostly yeah. other musicians that you're playing for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So it is, yeah, I do, I do, even that it's like, if that's the the source of revenue, it's, it seems like the attraction to local music primarily exists in basically scenesters. It's like, mm -hmm. it, it is not ubiquitous or mainstream in any way to be going to local shows. Do, do you mm -hmm. have, yeah. does well, your experience well, challenge that? No, <laughs> no, hey, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, um, yeah, just uh, yeah, even from when I started playing, I remember when I started playing around calories, just seemed seemed easier to get the crowd out and people more excited, but um, yeah, I think what I'm was kind of saying before is that maybe you have to, sometimes have to take something away to for people to 
kind of see it's worth. So maybe people will come. Maybe people will start going out in droves when we're back mm-hmm. uh, um, playing live shows again. But we'll have to see. Yeah, I definitely. I I would love if we got Big Winter Classic next year. Yeah, <laughs> that you just uh, run around and see everyone again. Kind of, mm-hmm. it is this cool feeling during big to kind of feel like for a moment we get to take over Eleventh Ave. Like it does kind of become yeah. all showgoers cruising down Eleventh for mm-hmm. for a second. Yeah. Nice little midwinter kind of a festival. It was great. Yeah, because they, well, yeah, they didn't do it this year. No, no, but they. Last, yeah, right before the pandemic, they did that. Yeah. The 2021, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, that is good. It was, uh, yeah, for- fortunately, I went to Big and to Block Heater, so I got a bit of a fill right before. Yeah, uh, right before, yeah. Yeah. It was starting to get weird there, that last bit. I was talking to Boots Graham outside of, uh, outside of Pal, and he was like, yeah, well, South By is done, so Sled will be too. And I was like, what? What are you yeah, talking yeah. about? I've, that doesn't make any sense to me, but then yeah. Yeah, I think they'll get yeah, the last show I played. I think you might've been there at the Palomino because it was, it was for night 20 I was playing drums. Yeah. Um, it was with, uh, I think it was Clint. Um, yeah, that that's the Clint. same show actually. I think oh, that I was show, talking to boots show. outside. Yeah. That was uh, like right. Yeah. Right. Uh, before things got shut down is, um, before we knew it, before we knew what hits, but we were, that uh, was, was uh looking back we're so naive <laughs> yeah it was a fun show yeah but, uh, yeah i played i played at the slice in lethbridge on march 13th oh, and that was like that was that was the realization is like there wasn't really anyone there and i guess owl was dead so they closed owl and like steve came over to slice to see our show because they had just closed and uh mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a bit of a, and then by the next day, it's like the world was the world was done. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it yeah. felt like it happened really quickly. It was, yeah. uh, and whatever inertia is that something you struggled with? It for me personally, I felt like I was building up inertia and had things going for that to get kind of frozen. And now I'm oh, like, definitely, yeah, yeah. And now I feel even like the thought of booking tour and trying to sleep on strangers floors across the country seems really unattractive to me actually it just i feel like i've been mm-hmm. taken out of that mindset yeah yeah it'll be interesting because um yeah i find a lot with it is uh um yeah again it's like the motivation to like so you know even before you know, I think all, i think all our all artists and musicians You'll get to points in your life you're like you know you say oh what's the point of doing this you know because you kind of um it's not you know not not easy uh not always easy but uh during the pandemic definitely worse than trying to trying to uh, motivate myself to keep making <laughs> making the music but but uh, i think i always will no matter what though like there's you have those days you're like oh what's the point but then i think um I think I'm the kind of person who like kind of has to make art to like stay sane. So, so no matter what, I think I'll always be making stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, but there's I found there's more days like that when you kind of just you know kind of uh, kind of want to give up. But. 
Well, and I wonder too, that there are parts of it, like honestly, the concept of hopping in a van and, you know, getting in the DIY touring group and be like, who has a floor in Kitchener? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I do think that there's a role in it and it's not the same, but I always have spent a lot of time watching tiny desks and KEXP mm. sets. And I do think that maybe, you know, m maybe it will become sort of typical to, to make a project and make a great live stream and, or not a live stream, mm -hmm. but just make a great live set. And mm -hmm. uh, I do think that is, that that is a meaningful way to, to interface with music, maybe rather than mm -hmm. streaming has all these issues with buffering and compression and, but these well-produced, yeah, the yeah. Yeah. It's a production. Cause yeah, you can only, um, yeah, I think one, one thing for me is when I did, I did I think my last live, no, the second last live stream I did was just, I had, had some issues with the sound and it was, I, you know, I didn't know until I was done. Until I looked at the video when I, from when I was live streaming and um, there was like a delay. And so it just sounded awful. What I thought sounded good. It was like a cacophony of <laughs> drums are off a few mm -hmm. milliseconds and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, so just the, um, the technical, uh, uh, you know, it's like Saturday Night Live or something where things can go wrong and you have no control, but, but yeah, like you said, with the product, having more production value and, um, cause I enjoy watching like live shows on YouTube or DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff. Um, one of my favorite bands. Um, so I think there's, it definitely, um, might be more of that, uh, happening. Well, it does give, give you some of these options, like someone like Kurt Vile, who I don't think will ever come to Calgary, you know, you can see Kurt Vile <laughs> that yeah. way and you can, you know, watch, you know, uh, it, it is, I'd say is think if you were a music nerd in Iceland, really, you need, you need those shows oh, yeah. to see yeah. music at all other than exactly. what locally yeah. happens. So there Did you see him when he came to sled? It was like quite a few years ago. He played sled one year. Did Kurt Vile play sled? Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty sure he did. Last I mean, time I saw him was in Nashville though. Which yeah. Was a great show with him. He did it with, um, that duo album with what's her name? Oh, with Courtney Barnett. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was awesome. That would have been great. That's one of my favorite records. Yeah, I saw them. Uh, yeah, they did did that uh, record, uh, the songs off that at the the um, the old Grand Ole Opry Church. That's awesome. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun trip. I love Nashville. Yeah, I've been. I've realized I have a big affinity for a lot of the stuff made in Nashville. I've been down this mm -hmm. Dave Cobb rabbit hole and. And somehow everyone he works with is always amazing. So he's got some kind of magic touch. So I do find a lot of what I've been listening to, especially th through the pandemic, has been, mm -hmm. well, a lot of it has been bands I've discovered on the Working Songwriter podcast. And so a lot of that is like very Americana focused. But yeah, but, it's not all country there too. There's just a huge music town, like mm -hmm. lots of good metal out of there. And mm -hmm. I think the same trip I saw Boris in Nashville. Um, the Japanese metal band, but um, so bands coming in and the bands from there is not all country, even though I do love country music, even though I make uh, <laughs> electronic post punk. But uh, um, I did go to the Joan Cash Museum and stuff, that's was great. But Nashville's a great city. I think it would be really cool if Canada had a city like that. If, if we had like anywhere, it could be Halifax, it could be Edmonton, it exactly. could be Calgary, but just a city that was a music city. In yeah, some yeah. ways you could say it's Toronto, but it's really only Toronto or Montreal because those are big cities. 
Mm -hmm. It's really just because yeah. those are bigger cities than the other ones that they, yeah. but they're certainly not defined by it. Yeah, exactly. Um, cause like we have like national music center, but we're, we're just so far, far in the middle of the country and for touring bands and stuff. It's, we're in Winnipeg, but still it's, we're, you know, though, but pre pandemic, we were getting more and more bands mm -hmm. um, from, it seemed like we were from when I was younger, seeing more bands are coming through by them. I think also just because bigger bands were forced to tour more because of streaming and like that's the way they make money, right? Is playing shows. So, um, but um, it would be nice to not be forced to tour as much because it's pretty like you know it can be fun, but it can also be soul crushing, mm -hmm. especially when you're smaller. Going across Canada, have memories of you know playing for the other bands, playing for two people on a Wednesday night in you know Saskatoon or wherever. Um, Cause that's the, that's the other thing about being a musician in Canada is that we're so spread apart. Mm -hmm. Even the U S is, is like, so there's, uh, you know, to get to another town, you know, a couple hours where Canada, you have to, you have to drive like the whole day and then you play the show and you drive the whole day and then you get to the next city. So, um, but yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a thing about, well, and, and it's in terms of Canada too, it's, uh, you're basically touring the winter unless you're unless you're crazy is not a thing <laughs> exactly. um, so that it's it certainly there are a lot of challenges to to being a musician in Canada that maybe don't exist in Europe or in the states and more <laughs> densely populated places and that's where I do see a value in you know may, maybe if the signals that that touring isn't essential that you don't <laughs> need to maybe you can do five different cool live streams. I was, do you listen to Barty strange at all? Nope. I really recommend if I feel like you would enjoy him. He, uh, hmm. he's just a collect. He's kind of got, he's got moments where he sounds like he's trying to be TV on the radio and he's got like straight for Emma era, Bonnie Vare sounding things and like very, very eclectic and, and diverse musician. Um, but he did like for his tiny desk and for his KEXP set. And I think he did like a label stream too, but he, they were all different styles of shows. So like the tiny desk was a jazz band and they played the album as a jazz band. And then like they did like a garage rock situation. I, I think that's a really interesting way to, to take that situation. Cause you know, any person anywhere can go access those sets and watch all of them. So if they're mm -hmm. different yeah. and unique, then there's different, uh, different value attached, but yeah, yeah. Even with touring, I've I've never been attracted to like the the big long grind of a tour. Um, I don't think I've actually ever done like you know months straight or whatever. Um, even now, I'm, I'm in my thirties now and getting older, and I'll like do like a, a t tour slash vacation. You know, like mm -hmm. go see some places. Um, when once things are back, I would like to tour Germany though and go to Europe and stuff where things are easier and, you know, travel light, maybe take the train and stuff. And that's a, kind of part of the plan with deep covers too, was just to, to keep it, you know, nimble. Right. One person and be able to do more of it. Um, but yeah, going back to what you said about getting momentum and kind of feeling losing a bunch of momentum with the pandemic. Uh, um, definitely felt that too. I, I had some candidates booked I had to cancel. Um, but, uh, yeah, so hopefully you can get that momentum back and, um, yeah, and bands are still, 
here and there releasing stuff, but people generally seem to be holding on to their music, um, which is pr probably a smart thing to do. Um, but uh, did you release a record during the pandemic? Or? I, I did. I, I released in October, and at that point I had hopes that we wouldn't still be here now. But yeah, yeah. Um, and it's tough. I feel like I... I poured a lot of resources into that record. Like we, mm -hmm. we did most of it at, uh, at Ian Dillon's studio, uh, at mm -hmm. Calgary recording company, which, yeah, I think he, uh, he's a, he's still at Canada. He vinyl. is. Yeah. yeah. Cause he did, yeah, I think he did the master for the deep covers, like the vinyl master. Um, yeah. Cause he, you did sound at, uh, uh, where did you have my release for that first record? Um, King Eddie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a good guy. at NMC, and his studio is is great. He has the mm -hmm. yeah. it it looks how a studio looks in your mind, right? With the, yeah, the big yeah. MCI console and and recording down to tape, and it does. I don't know. Maybe it's my scapegoat for maybe no one would have cared just as much if I had a release show, but it did feel a little like putting my baby out into into an uncaring void to yeah, to do yeah. it right now. Um, yeah. So I can certainly see why holding on to things would be the way. And I, I think with my next record too, I'm definitely not in the rush I've been in before. And it kind of it kind of affords you the ability to take time and just be like, eh, we'll master it when we master it. Exactly, Whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for your time and for doing this. Yeah, thanks and, for having me. And uh, yeah, hopefully we get to... Uh, hang out in the flesh not too too long of a time De definitely i'm looking forward to it <laughs> thanks so much for tuning into this chat with deep covers with dan um thanks for tolerating my ramblings it's, it's been a time it's been a time i hope you're getting through that time uh, if you're interested uh, my partner zoe and i have a new podcast called wife guy you can find that on the internet wife guy you know like a, a guy with a wife you know, those guys like like Dallas Green that just love their wives. That's kind of what we get into. We talk, it's, it's different than this podcast. It's, it's vulgar, it's comedic, but we're, we're kind of, we, we talk about butts. We talk about butts. And uh, anyway, please check out Dan on all the things. Check out Deep Covers, listen to the music. Um, I'm not sure how often I can be putting these out. I don't know, I'm doing my best. I'm really doing my best here. I'm not sure this podcast is going to make me famous and bring me success. It'd be cool if it did, but it probably won't make or break me. So I'm just going to do what I can. Okay, I love you guys, and we'll see you on the flip side.